the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Throws, and yes! Touchdown, did he get it? Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. Uh, interesting weekend when you consider NFL, uh, college football, not good to be a home team in Region 11. A lot to unpack. And, of course, it was media day today for the Utah Jazz. Uh, frankly, just up front, I don't know that we're going to have time to get to that considering everything else going on. Uh, we will spend time on this new-look Jazz team, but uh, just being up front and honest with you, we may not be able to get to much of that today. Uh, Coach Anderson uh, met with the media today. Chandler Dolphin and Hunter Reynolds did as well. Um, interesting comments coming out of the coach and players and uh, continuing to get reactions to what happened Saturday uh, in a beautiful evening, beautiful day, beautiful setting for football, but uh, the score did not go uh, in Utah State's favor. So continuing to react to that and dissecting it, trying to figure out what happened and why. 435-339-0321 to chime in on the full court press today. Uh, also, next hour, coming up at about 5.15, we'll do the call-out for the Skyview bread and butter play of the game if you recall what that was, and uh, we'll be doing that at about 5.15. If you call in and get it correct, four loaves of bread from the old grist mill will be yours. So stay tuned for that coming up next hour. But, um, Jason, you've had uh, some time to kind of cool down, reflect, (laughs) study, and examine what happened Saturday night uh, on Merlin Olsen Field. And do you feel any different today than you felt Saturday night when it was all said and done? I have a, I don't know, maybe a better understanding. I went through, this This is what happened my, my Sunday evening, was I went through and I charted every single one of Utah State's passing plays <laughs> to try and figure out what was going on, what coverages they were going against, what routes they were running, you know, just about everything. Um, and once again, I know people are really down on Bonner and I will say like the Weber state game, two of his three interceptions, you could say were at least maybe not his fault. Uh, the first one was kind of high tipped off his receiver's hands. Maybe could have been caught just kind of bad luck on that one. Second one just tipped bad luck. Not really on Bonner. Third one was definitely his fault. The pick six. I couldn't really say that about any of Bonner's interceptions against UNLV. They were all just bad throws. I know Coach Anderson, after the game, he said something about how I think, I believe he said that Anthony Tucker took kind of blame for one of the interceptions, saying he put Bonner in a bad situation. At least I think that's what he was saying in the quote. I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth here, but that's kind of what it seemed like he was yeah, saying. But essentially. He, he, yeah, and it was probably the... Um, if I were to guess which one, he didn't specify which. I'd have to say it was the one at the end of the first half. That's the one I'd guess. That or his second interception, I think it was, 
he threw interceptions on back-to-back passing attempts. And it may have been that second one. So it, it's hard to say for sure which, because both of those were kind of play-calling slash coaching situations that Bonner really shouldn't have been forced to, into. So I don't know where I'm going with all this, but basically <laughs> Bonner didn't look good in a lot of places, but a lot of that had to do with the fact that this coaching staff was not ready to face the defense that UNLV, UNLV was putting out there. Their pass, their you know receiver routes weren't really, you know, they couldn't attack UNLV. They were playing like a cover four most of the game. And Utah State just wasn't ready to face that enough. I guess maybe they're expecting to see man again, which they did a little bit. Well, uh, okay, so since that's this is where you're leading off with, I want to go to a quote from Coach Anderson today on evaluating how Logan Bonner played. And so you saw, your opinion was that there were a lot of, a series of bad throws that were responsible for the interceptions. Now let's hear what how Coach Blake Anderson sees it and how he evaluated Logan Bonner's performance on Saturday. You know, as we looked at it, he forced two throws early after he came out of those two, knew what he did wrong, didn't make those same mistakes again, really threw the ball extremely well the rest of the game. Even the picks later in the game, those are 50-50 balls that we either have to catch or we need to break the play up we need to get back to the line of scrimmage. Those are one-on-ones, and if we're going to push the ball downfield, we're going to be in some of those one-on-one situations with some 50-50 balls, and guys are going to have to either make the catch or defend the play and break it up so we can get back to the line of scrimmage. So essentially, Logan Bonner looked fine. Maybe he had two bad throws, but the responsibility is not on him. It's on other people for why those interceptions took place. Yeah, so the thing is, I will say that all five of the interceptions were bad throws. Two of them, basically the ones that are either end of the half, I'm with Anderson that I don't hate them. I didn't hate the one at the end of the first half. He was going for it all, and it just got picked off, and that's just how it is. Similar kind of thing with the end of the game. He forced it. Yeah, it was bad. Whatever. You live, you live with two of those. I'm not going to get on Bonner too much for two of those interceptions. They were bad throws, but you live with them. I would say that I'd give Bonner a little bit uh, – Less credit for what, you know, I'd say like three of his interceptions just shouldn't have happened and they were a lot on Bonner, where Anderson seems to give him two enforcing it. But, you know, the third one, it was a long pass to Brian Cobbs where Bonner just underthrew it and it got picked off. Although that one, again, there was maybe some coaching, but still, they were all bad throws. You know, you you can say Bonner played well for most of the rest of the game, and he did. I will give Anderson that there, you know, he threw for. I think Bonner, I think he might have crossed 300 yards in the game. I think it was like 313, I want to say. Yes. The stats they had like in-game were off because they randomly gave Levi Williams a bunch (laughs) of his passes, and so I I don't have the correct number off the top of my head. 313. Yeah, so so he crosses 300 yards, season high, had like 28 completions or 27 completions, you know, decent completion percentage. But he did have those really bad throws. Some of them you live with, but again, he made at least three really bad decisions. Well, the the interception at the end of the first half, that didn't need to be forced like it was. Like, there was time on the clock. There were options uh, available. 
he chucked it up like a Hail Mary pass, but it wasn't necessary. Well, there was like five seconds on the clock when they snapped, or I think seven seconds on the clock when he snapped it. And that's when I say there there was a coaching problem there. Coaching yes. or clock management, I guess. Clock I management say. was problematic at the end of the first half, and it was terrible to close out the game. Yeah. And so, well, at the end of the game, it didn't really matter because they were already down 10 points in a less than a minute to go. Well, but you had more like more than two and a half on the clock. You had almost three minutes on the clock, and they'd hurry up to the line, look to the sideline, figure out what the play is, let the play clock run, run a play. It, it just there was the, the way they were managing that that time was really frustrating. And then you get down, and it's like, okay, we only have a few seconds left. I guess we have to chuck it to the end zone and hope for something to, just for moral victory. Yeah, but in particular the end, the end of the first half where it did kind of matter a little bit more. You know, they had time. I think they had a timeout or two. They had two timeouts, I think, at the beginning of the drive. They used one of them because they did a couple of short plays, maybe get some cheap yards, which whatever you do that, you can get away with that when you have two timeouts. And then they had the one timeout, presumably if they got into field goal range, use it, stop the clock. But then they drained a bunch of time, and then, you know, they ran a play, didn't get, you know, I think they got a first down, and then some UNLV player had to leave because his helmet came off. So there was a bit of confusion with starting the clock. But then they ran down like seven seconds, and by the time Bonner gets the pass, there's not enough time for him to complete a pass into field goal range and then have enough time for there to be a field goal. So when he hurls it deep, like, and yeah, I got intercepted, I can live with that because he had no other options except just chuck it into the turf and say, let's go to halftime. So that's why I could really live with that, you know, end of the first half interception. And then at the end of the game, he forces a pass because it's the last play of the game and you live with it. So the five turnovers makes it sound worse than it was, but still three interceptions. Only the second of his career, if, if if you took away those two other interceptions, it would still be. Three interceptions, the second time he's done that in his career, both of them have been this season and in back-to-back games, which is suddenly worrying. Yeah, it is. Well, and I, I get the sentiment that, you know, if if it's a 50-50 ball, you're throwing it, in the theory, you're throwing it to a player, and your guy either needs to make the, make the catch or defend the pass and knock it away. But if the pass is in stride and where the player needs to be, should it be that much of a 50-50 ball as it was? I mean, the wide receivers for Utah State were out of position to make those plays. So it was tough for them to even get in a spot to try to break it up. So they, they weren't really great throws. Yeah, I, I do give him credit that there were uh, better throws through the game over the course of the game. There were more explosives. They were pressing the ball down the field more. But to say he only made two bad throws on the night, that. It's kind of I, I don't know I don't I don't know that I understand that yeah and particularly you're talking about you know on the verticals where the wide receiver is out of position and yeah Bonner underthrows like the interception to Cobbs on a long play it was actually the exact same play that Cobbs had a 44 yard reception they ran it again later in the game Bonner underthrew Cobbs he Cobbs didn't beat his man on the double move Bonner underthrows it and it's picked off like and if you're consistently telling your guys hey play cornerback on our vertical routes and you're having to do that a lot. Maybe stop running so many vertical routes because clearly you're not good enough. <laughs> you know, press it so far down. Yeah, you shouldn't be doing that. And they got better. There were a couple plays toward the end of the game where they were finally showing some creativity. You know, Anderson talked about being more creative in the passing attack. They did that a little bit more towards the end of the game. 
they attacked the cover for and were able to get a couple of big plays. They got a 39-yard touchdown to Vaughn, got another 40-yard reception to McGriff because they were able to do some really neat route combinations, double moves. And then they actually forced UNLV to get out of their cover four for most of the rest of the game. So there was some ingenuity in that game, but it took until the fourth quarter for them to finally pull that out of their butts because for most of the game, the way they were attacking is just throw hitches. Hitch route, go brr. <laughs> that, that's Utah State's offense right now. Hitch routes. Yeah, uh, so there are a couple things that, that were said after the game and then said today that look, I, I appreciate the direction things are headed, where at least how things look to be headed, compared to how the team looked in their previous couple of games. But so much of what happened on Saturday was Utah State just not being able to get out of their own way. The, the, the penalties, the turnovers, the, the low snap on the punt, uh, it just it stacked up where, yeah, you have to give UNLV some credit for what they did to win the game, but Utah State defensively played really solid considering the circumstances. But when you give up 100 yards to the opponent, you give them six free opportunities to switch the field and take possession. When you give them a possession on the six-yard line or whatever, I mean, how much can you really ask of your defense when your offense is doing that so much? Yeah, and that's another takeaway I, I didn't actually include in my Monday cool, and I thought about putting it in there because, like, especially listening to Anderson talk by the defense, like, yeah, I definitely agree with Anderson's assessment of the defense where they played really well and kept them in the game. And I've been saying it this whole season, this defense is much better than the 55 points allowed, the 35 points allowed, now the 34. They're better than what they're showing on the scoreboard, but they're getting just... <laughs> there are certain words I can't say on radio. They're getting uh, handed a very bad hand by the offense in way too many situations where there's just nothing they can do at that point. You don't stop a team when they're handed the ball in the three-yard line because your punter had to kneel to field a bad snap. Granted, I think, didn't they hold them to a field goal on that one, or did they allow a touchdown? No, they did allow a uh, touchdown. Yeah, they got into the end Because that's the one that Sandy got injured on. Um, yeah, that's is, true. Which is yeah. another rough situation. Uh, my, uh, just a little housekeeping here, my text line is not working today. At least oh, not yet. Okay, I think I'm getting mine because I got four texts on here. So from you're going to be have to. You'll have to be the gatekeeper okay. of our text, let's our full get, court press text line. Let's get a few because we've had some. The one that came in as the show turned on. Um, so let's see. Uh, Nine three one five. Uh, Boise State's had the common sense to pull their QB after he threw three interceptions. Bonner threw five and played the whole sixty minutes. Yeah, that's the other thing. You know, to say you hit your quarterback's going to be in a short leash. And to let him still be in there after five interceptions and a, and a fumble. Now we've talked. Not all those are on Logan Bonner. Yeah, fumble he, wasn't really. He on looked him. better Saturday than he did the previous, but it just seems a little odd that you'd say that and then not act on it. Yeah, that was the first question I asked him in the press. I was like, "All right, you said short leash. Why'd you stick with him?" And I said a little nicer than that. <laughs> but that <laughs> Got, was the I had to be diplomatic about asking it. But, yeah, it was just – and he basically kind of said a lot what he kind of said on Monday is just that – or today, earlier today, where he didn't feel like Bonner made too many bad decisions, except that he did, you know. And it wasn't like he played the most awful game 
in the history of the world. He still threw 300 yards. He just had some really bad throws. And those throws really did hurt Utah State. You know, again, the back-to-back interceptions. Because of those interceptions, he only had, I think, four pass attempts in the third quarter because they just kept handing the ball away. And they didn't, you know, run nearly as many plays as they wanted. And it just killed a bunch of drives. So, I don't know. Other teams are pulling their quarterbacks. I think there were a couple last week. They were pulled because they threw like three interceptions. And Bachmeyer wasn't the only one. There, I think there was somebody else like on the East Coast that got pulled. Uh, by the way, before we continue on any other text, the news with Bachmeyer, if you hadn't heard, he has announced today that he is going to transfer away from Boise State. Boise State over the weekend also fired their offensive coordinator. So you think things are kind of rough here. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a really weird year in the Mountain West um, with what's going on with Utah State. Uh, I know there was a, a quarterback controversy in, in Colorado State. Um, you know, there was a number of different issues uh, around this league that's uh, kind of surprising. It's a weird year. And I don't know who's going to be in that conference championship game at the end. Really hard to predict. We likely still be Air Force representing the Mountain Division, but uh, gosh, could be UNLV representing the West. The way things are going, it's weird. Yeah, it is. It is just nuts with how many teams are bad this year, and just the fact there's no good teams in the Mountain West. We've consistently had at least one, often two or three, pretty good teams. Yeah. Right, flirting with the top 25, if not in the top 25. Yeah, and this year there's not a single team that deserves to be in, like, the top 40. Maybe Air Force yeah, in the maybe top maybe Air 40. Force. But, again, with them losing to Wyoming, it's just, now this would be the year that UNLV just, like, goes, you know, 11-1. and one. <laughs> It surprises everybody. Wins the bowl game, goes 12-1. That This would just be the year. It was like San Jose State when they had their year. They just yeah. came out of nowhere and just beat everybody. Uh, by the way, Air Force is getting eight votes in the uh, coaches' poll, and uh, they're not getting any in the AP yet. Yeah, they fell a little too hard in the AP poll. The coaches' poll liked them even after they lost to Wyoming. So yes. They got like two points or one point or something like that. Just like one guy voted for them or something like that. Yeah. Um. So more text, uh, 6543. Uh, said, Bonner was not good, but this is a total team breakdown. Total lack of discipline and stupid penalties. Receivers not getting open. Line not blocking. Special team errors. Luckily, we have enough weak teams on the schedule that we should get a few more wins. But without a total reversal, I see no bowl game. I see no bowl for the Ags this year. And I, I think that's a fair assessment. I think so Utah State's uh, what, one in four, one in three, one in three. Excuse me. Yeah, they won't. They've lost three straight. So one in three. Uh, so through four games. Eight more left. You have to find a way to get five out of your next eight. And this is the schedule coming up at BYU. Hosting Air Force. I have a hard time seeing wins in either of those two games. Yeah, I'm not so confident about Utah State beating Air Force anymore like I was in the preseason. Uh, At Colorado State, okay, uh, that's a winnable game. At Wyoming, uh, I don't know. I really don't know. New Mexico in town, you should be able to beat them. At Hawaii, should be able to beat them. San Jose State, not, not right now. Then at Boise, even though they're in disarray, that's always a tough place to play. 
I have a hard time seeing Utah State get to bowl eligibility right now. Yeah, this was a season where we came in, we were both looking at Utah State eight and four. Some disagreement on exactly how they got there, but we thought eight and four, and I kind of backed down and said, you know, seven and six is possible. You know, low end seven and six or, or seven and five, excuse me, or maybe six and six. Like that's real low end. Utah State found a way to to make that look like an overstatement. You know, because now it's we're not looking at eight and four, we're looking at three and nine. Four and eight. That's like our ceiling at this point. We're just trying to count the games like like, like you're just doing. Like, can we possibly win this game? And and that's the way we're looking at the schedule now as opposed to Latin, you know, earlier it was like, all right, we're counting losses or games that we don't think we can win. Now it's basically that flipped. Yeah, so I actually last night went through the uh, ESPN has like a, a matchup predictor on, on every game on your schedule and you go forward and and you'll even try to project all the way through to the end of the schedule, game by game. And they did have Utah State projected to win at Colorado State, against New Mexico, and at Hawaii. And that's it. Yeah. And those are like 58%. So not like strong margins. So yeah, that's, yeah, four, four and eight is going to be the target now. Lots uh, got to change. Yeah. Four, at this point, four and eight will be the success goal. From this point, obviously it's a catastrophic failure compared to the preseason expectations. But at this point, yeah, you're starting to – got to start small and then try and rebound next season. All right, more from the coach and the players. Uh, really interesting comments about discipline and composure today from Coach Blake Anderson, Chandler Dolphin, and Hunter Reynolds addressing the media today after that loss on Saturday. Love to continue to get your reactions as well on the Full Court Press text line, 435 435- 339-0321. Hey, it's Jackson from Mountain West Motor. I want to invite all of you to our off-road event and cookout on October 1st at 4 p.m. Bring your street-legal off-road vehicle and meet us at 4 p.m. at Mountain West Motor, 615 North Main in Logan. We will check out each other's rigs for about an hour, then head out around 5 p.m. to Providence Canyon. At the quarry, we'll have hot dogs and hamburgers ready for everyone who can make it. For more details, follow us on Instagram at mwmotor.co. That is mwm. O-T-O-R dot C-O. See you at 4 p.m. on October 1st at Mountain West Motor. Built for your adventure. Advanced Heating and AC, the two-time gold medal winner in Best in Builder, Utah. They're teaming up with Carrier Heating and Cooling. Carrier provides you the best furnace units available, and now's the best time to buy a new unit before the weather turns cash valley cold. Financing options are available. Turn to the experts at Advanced Heating and Carrier. Advanced Heating and Air Conditioning, 752-7272. Or stop by their showroom west of DI and online at advancedheating-ac.com. We're not comfortable until you are Advanced Heating and Air. Cache Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat, the Allergy Clinic, and the Hearing Aid Center are now located in Providence and Cache Valley's newest and most up-to-date medical clinic located at 2245 North 400 East in North Logan, just south of Cache Valley Hospital. The entire staff and Dr. Benyon, Blotter, and Robinette look forward to helping you and your family at this state-of-the-art medical facility. Cache Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat is now located in Providence and their new office at 2245 North 400 East in North Logan. Go to cachevalleyent.com for details. Most insurance products, including SelectMed, are accepted. You're first and goal at the 10-yard line with seconds left on the clock. Your running back is poised for the game-winning touchdown, but before you can make the snap, the opposing team just takes the ball and locks it in a safe, and they won't give you the combination unless you pay them $10,000. 
That's exactly how ransomware works. And in 2021, two out of every three organizations fell victim to ransomware attacks. Protect your business with Les Olson Security Suite from Les Olson IT. Learn more at lesolson.com. Hi, this is Tyler. Recently, my father passed away and White Pine provided the funeral services for our family. They were friendly, thoughtful, and attentive to every detail. You know, it isn't often that a loved one passes away, so it was very important to my family that everything be handled just right. Because my dad was loved by so many people, we had a lot of family and friends that traveled from out of town. I really appreciate how White Pine Funeral Services made sure everyone was comfortable and that the focus was where it needed to be, on my dad and my family. They really took care of us during this tender time. This is Nate Lamson with Valley Office Systems, your home team when local matters. Valley Office Systems is your local provider for all things office, copiers, printers, furniture, and document management. Proudly serving Cache Valley since 2007. Visit valleyofficesystems.com. Join the show by calling 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, Jason Walker, and uh, again, getting reactions to Utah State losing their Mountain West opener uh, against UNLV, 34-24. to Utah State got uh, – well, they, they showed up early and looked like, okay, they, they've come to play. Defensively, they made a good stop, had some tackles for loss. They had some, uh, uh, some decent returns. They had the passing game going and looked like, okay, message – sunk in during the bye week. They've worked on a few things. Uh, and then it just kind of started to stall out, and penalties were a problem. Um, UNLV is gifted opportunities on short fields because of turnovers or bad low snap on a punt. And before we know it, this, this that game's kind of gotten away from USU. They tried to make it more interesting in the fourth quarter. I wish that sense of urgency had showed itself earlier in the game. But to step back, yes, they made some strides defensively, offensively, uh, even some good things on special teams despite the bad snap, but just not enough. They just couldn't get out of their own way for UNLV. Yeah, it definitely was a step forward, and we both had the sentiment, I think a couple of our texters had the same thing, is that we would much rather have lost this game you know, we were saying like 35-30 or, you know, 34-24, that kind of score. You know, 45-35 or something like that. Then to lose like 35-7 again. Because it would have showed improvement. And this game did show improvement by virtue of it being a little closer. Aggies put points on the board. And, you know, even though they, you know, had five, six turnovers they still scored 24 points, which is pretty remarkable. And you only lose by 10 points when you think they've... don't think they had a single turnover forced, so I think they lost the turnover battle minus 6, which is usually the kind of thing that leads to a 45-7 score. Yes. So. Right. I mean, you got to consider giving up 100 yards in penalties, 6 turnovers, giving them a, a possession on the 6-yard line... And to only lose by ten points. I mean, that's not it's not the end of the world. It's not the worst thing, but 
still, I mean, the, the big issue for me is just the discipline of this team. Six penalties against UConn, six penalties in the Alabama game. And now we've had back-to-back games of double-digit penalties and a lot of unsportsmanlike conduct to go with it. And that's been one of the biggest issues for me. You know, this coaching staff has talked about uh, needing to show more more uh, leadership and um, you know, trying to discover what that leadership is within the team. It, it, apparently it still needs to be discovered and worked on because they're not holding each other accountable enough. Too many penalties, too many unforced errors where they have self-inflicted issues uh, which are gifting opportunities to the opponent. Yeah, there are a bunch of dumb things we saw. There were two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties on the same play led to Utah State kicking off from their own 10-yard line. And I don't know if I've ever seen that. Yeah, I'd never seen that. Maybe I did it on purpose once in Madden or something, but <laughs> ridiculous. Had to take a picture because it looked so insane. Of course, then they were offside on their own kickoff. So there's another one. And then, you know, on the play where constantly, constantly uh, had his you know, knee on the ground to field the punt, well, that, that was going to be a bad situation anyway because there was kick-catch interference and then another unsportsmanlike conduct or an unnecessary roughness, you know, another one of those 15-yard penalties. So it was like just – and so that one didn't get accepted because of, you know, the knee on the ground. So there were a bunch of 15-yard unnecessary roughness penalties in addition to having a situation where you had two straight false starts on one drive, which is embarrassing to see. So just the number of penalties on the field – and then, of course, there's all the stuff that was supposedly happening on the sideline with some of the assistant coaches. Okay, so let's actually let's get to that. That was definitely an issue that Coach Anderson brought up after the game and something that was uh, you know, discussed again today and reacting to this, this discipline issue. There's a couple different ways that we're approaching this. Not only what Coach Blake Anderson said, but also from the player's perspective as well. And... Um, First of all, it's um, let, let's get to that about the uh, about the coaches and, and needing better composure. I believe this is the right one that includes that because there were a number of issues, number of comments relating to this uh, overall topic. We got to show more composure. We uh, we had a great frenzied kind of environment, which is what we want. We we need that energy, uh, and, and it showed on the field and how physically we played with the energy level that we played with but it's got to obviously we can't cross that line and start having um i don't know emotional type penalties frustration type penalties we had way too much dialogue with an official this particular crew had a couple of officials that were very talkative uh back to our sideline to our players to our staff uh you know that's my job to talk to officials and in this particular case we didn't respond real well with uh, an official that was you know very very vocal um, and, and our staff's got to do a better job. But we can't ask our players to show composure if our if our coaches don't. And you know, just to me, we're, we're creating opportunities for for our players to get the wrong message. So just just being a transparent man, we got to do better too. Uh, isn't that telling? We're creating opportunities for our players to get the wrong message. Yeah, that's that's a coaching failure. The coach is supposed to be the composed one, usually. The only person who really generally should be allowed to lose his mind on the sideline should be the head coach. 
because that's his job. His job is to lose his mind at the referees, among other things. He's earned the privilege to do that, and he's the guy that needs to be the mouthpiece. Other than that, nobody should be talking to the officials. That should be not a whole lot of chirping. You know, hyping yourselves up, you know, doing the chest bumps and saying let's go and all that kind of stuff between yourselves. Obviously, that's a high-energy thing. And we were praising that kind of thing we saw from the defense and the scrimmages. We really liked it. Yes. Um, yeah, some of the undisciplined stuff. And then when you're getting chippy with the other team, that's something you just – and the coaches need to be on top of that the second they see it. And they must not have. Maybe they were trying. If they were trying, then that's another coaching failure because you can't keep a handle on your players. But that's something they really need to work on and say, all right, don't be doing this. Don't be doing that. Don't be – celebrating too much don't be taking your helmet off too much you know Justin McGriff really rode the line after his touchdown where he took his helmet off where sometimes that's an that can be an unsportsmanlike right there yeah the so you you gotta be careful because a lot of these guys once they get a small taste of success they start going nuts and you can't have that it's undisciplined and it's not indicative of the you know disciplined attitude we had last year where they were playing under control. They had that fire of being where the underdogs and were mad about it, but they played under control and they executed. These guys are, I don't know what they're doing right now, but it's not good. Now, crossing the line too often, and we'll get to more of that coming up, but uh, getting to your uh, the texts on the Full Court Press text line, mine's working now so I can get to some of yours. Uh, 1570 says, is it just me or does Coach Anderson seem to distance himself from the huddles either offensive or defensive huddles, when there's a media timeout. I noticed every time there was a huddle, he would be on the opposite end of the sideline. I would think if your team was struggling, you would get into those huddles and help fire up the guys. I know he has offensive and defensive coaches, but still he just seems a little disconnected visually. Uh, it's not something I've looked for, so I, I can't say. I mean, uh, uh, 1570 must have been looking at that. If that's the case, that is interesting. Because usually, when you're having timeouts, it's the coach in the middle of that huddle doing the talking. Maybe not always. Maybe sometimes it's the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. Of course, uh, Ephraim Bond is a representative up in the, of yeah, because the coach is down on the field. Ephraim Bond is on the field. Tucker's up in the booth. Oh yeah, I had it backwards. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Tucker's in the booth and DC's on the on the ground. So yeah, it isn't always the head coach, but a lot of times it is. Especially since, since he's more of an offensive coach, he works with Tucker. You'd think uh, sometimes he'd be with the offense. So it's interesting. Uh, getting to a few more of the texts, uh, 2787. He says, did you say Bachmeyer from Boise is leaving Boise? Yes, he is. That, that was the news that we talked about earlier, broke earlier today, that uh, Hank Bachmeyer, the Boise State quarterback, is uh, transferring away from Boise State. So, we have a caller coming in? Uh, yes, we did say that he is. Yeah, it's, uh, it's surprising Yeah, that he would leave. Now, it, the timing is important because he has a red shirt available and he's only played in four games, so it, this season doesn't count against his eligibility. Is he a junior or a senior? So, he has two more years to play. Jeez. He's, like, going to be 24 next year. <laughs> Partially because of the COVID year and things like that, but... Yeah, Bachmeyer's on his way out. Uh, go to the phone line, turn the full court press. JM joins us next. What's on your mind, JM? Hello, I just I was actually at, at the game the other night, and there's two things that I noticed. 
there's a lot of fans that still think that Bonner needs to like the lady in front of me the whole game long. She was yelling, not real loud, but to us, she just kept saying they need to bench Bonner, bench Bonner. The team's going to go. So there's still some of that around. But the thing that I thought of the most is where Coach Anderson had his son take his own life. That's going to be really tough. And in my same family, I've actually got two members that have done that. And I think that's affecting his judgment enough to where he's treating Logan Bonner as his replacement son. And I think it'll take him a while to get over that. And that's why I think our team's not good as we did last year because we didn't have those many issues. players, if that makes sense. Yeah, thanks, J.M. I uh, appreciate that call. And, and I think that's that's been some people's observations about um, you know, maybe the mentality there. I, I, don't, I don't mean to speak for Coach Anderson or even speak for other fans who try to, to try to interpret what's going on, but I think certainly he's uh, very mindful about decisions that he makes and how that affects the, the mentality uh, of, of some of his players. And that's a difficult balance to, to, to strike, I understand. Uh, but at the end of the day, his, his job as a head coach is to put his team in the best position to win. We saw Logan Bonner perform a lot better Saturday than he had the previous two games. But he still was throwing the ball to the wrong team too often. Yeah. And he was also, you know, he's skying a bunch of passes. He has a bad tendency to throw a little too high on a lot of short passes. Um, and I don't want to play too much armchair psychology. Um, there is there is a very real possibility that the death of his son impacted him mentally in a way that, you know, he may not notice. Because that happens when you have traumatic events like that. It can change you. Uh, yeah. And in very big ways. Um, it can And it can affect your performance. We've talked about how mental health can affect your performance in a lot of ways. Um, that's a possibility. Um, but again, I don't, I don't want to play, uh, again, I don't want to be the armchair psychologist here. We can theorize about that. Um, but it's just something we can't really know. No. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that can be tricky, tricky thing to do. Uh, two, three, zero five Walker made an interesting comment by saying this year, there's no apparent top team in the conference. He made an example of San Jose State a few years ago coming out of nowhere and winning everything. Sounds like Utah State last year. In a way, um, San Diego State was still up there because they were actually ranked ahead of the Aggies until, I mean... Really, until the, the conference championship yeah. game. In the conference championship game, San Diego State was like in the high teens, I think. I think they were like 19th. Um, and then Utah State jumped them. After that and after the bowl game, well, actually, San Diego State was still ranked ahead of USU. USU wasn't ranked until the bowl after winning the bowl game. Yeah, they were they were ranked. So was San Diego State ranked in the final rankings? Because Aggies were twenty fifth. Uh, I'm going to look them up. I don't now. remember if San Diego State was in the final college football playoff rankings. But you're right. I mean, San Jose came out of nowhere a few years ago. Utah State really kind of came out of nowhere last year where they were predicted to be you know, fifth in their own division. Um, so it, it, it can happen. It, it happened at Utah State. Uh, 8739, when does basketball start? <laughs> I think their practices are starting to get underway here shortly. Yeah. 
Okay, uh, so I want to get on the basketball, though. I did just look this up. So in the final AP poll, again, I don't know about the college playoff poll because I can't remember if they even released a final poll in that case. But San Diego State finished 25th. I thought Utah State finished 25th. Utah State finished 24th. Ah. So they finished one spot ahead of them. So, I mean. That was only in the final poll that they move ahead of San Diego State. But, you know, last year there weren't a ton of super strong. I guess Air Force wasn't bad. I don't know. Last year may not be the greatest comparison for Utah State coming out of nowhere when there's no other strong teams because there were a couple. And that's the weird thing because when I look back, going off on a slight tangent here, (laughs) but I looked back at some of the previous great seasons and there were weak schedules 2012 bit of a week schedule 2018 bit of a week schedule i thought 2021 bit of a week schedule well except i don't know washington state and byu and boise state and oregon state and san diego state and i i kept going down the schedule like okay that wasn't that week of a schedule and air force so it's like it is weird that we felt like there's weaknesses on last year's team and they've carried over to this year's team but last year's team was good they beat good teams. They didn't beat Boise State or BYU, but, you know, they weren't just a product of a weak schedule like you could maybe say about 2018 and 2012 to a degree. Yeah, no, fair point. Uh, a lot more texts coming through. We'll get to those. We do need to take another time out here on the Full Court Press, 435-339-0321. If you want to chime in, uh, we'll be back in about three and a half minutes. Uh, but first, hotter weather. Uh, we're just still kind of warm, right? It's not fall just yet. It's still warm outside, and that can be tough on your vehicle. So take it into Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Across from Angie's, they have Valvoline Synthetic and Valvoline Max Life Oil for your vehicle. And they get you back out on the road quickly. 695 North Main. That's Valvoline Instant Oil Change. I'm here with Mark Anderson from Anderson Seed and Garden. Mark, can you tell us a little about your experience with ChemDry of Northern Utah? You know, our carpets get really dirty at Anderson Seed and Garden, and we clean every January. Our timing is is kind of difficult. I called Daryl, and he was amazing to work around our schedule. They came in and cleaned our carpets. They looked like brand new when they were all done, and uh, they've just been amazing to work with. ChemDry of Northern Utah. We would like to welcome Prodigy Brewing to the heart of Logan. Cash Valley's first and only brew pub with family-friendly dining. With an upscale twist on classic brew pub fare and ingredients sourced as local as possible, they are thrilled to be part of the heart of Cash Valley. Bring the family and try their wood-fired pizza or their mouth-watering signature burger. Located on beautiful Center Street, open Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Pizza, burgers, and brews. Mmm, tasty. Thermo Fisher Scientific is hiring for their manufacturing, distribution, and warehouse team. And that's great news for anyone seeking a rewarding career. Thermo Fisher offers positions across multiple shifts, competitive compensation, health benefits, paid time off, bonuses, and an excellent work environment. Help Thermo Fisher make the world healthier, cleaner, and safer. Visit job.thermofisher.com and search Logan. Thermo Fisher Scientific is an equal opportunity employer. DD Auto and Salvage is going to pay you the most for junk vehicles. You can get rid of your junk vehicles today. DD Auto and Salvage makes it so easy and fast to get rid of your junker vehicles by paying you the most money possible. Pickup is available. If you have metal, DD Auto and Salvage and Logan wants to pay you today. Call 787-1204. That's 787-1204. 
1204 today. See store for details. Hi, I'm Jay Broadbent with Alpine Home Medical. I'd like to invite you to learn more about us. Since 1997, we've been Utah's premier one-stop shop for home medical equipment. What sets us apart at Alpine Home Medical is the superior level of customer service. We provide home oxygen, CPAPs, wheelchairs, scooters, breast pumps, and so much more. Come on down and get to know us. Visit alpinehomemedical.com. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Eric Franson, Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. Love to hear from you on our Full Court Press text line. Or if you want to call in, phone number is 435-752-1069. The text line, 435-339-0321. Uh, 8968. I hope the Aggies... Oh, let's see. I've got to back this up, actually. <laughs> uh, to heck with the interceptions. Those penalties on the Aggies cost the game as much as anything in the game. Uh, also, just how short is that lease? I'm thinking leash. Yeah, leash. Right, what he means to say. And I hope the Aggies will win at least four. Yeah, the penalties were big. We do focus on the interceptions because turnovers tend to lose game, but so do penalties. It's really the combination. If you get rid of one or the other, it might have helped the Aggies win the game, even if you still have six six turnovers or ten penalties, ten accepted penalties for 100-some-on yards. I think it's 104, 105. Yeah. Uh, 5338. Texting in. I didn't even realize until after the game that Vaughn's did not play. What is his status? Also, what's the status of Gentry? I think Vaughn's had an ankle injury is what Anderson said. Because he was asked about that after the game. It was basically, yeah, I just had a, had an injury. High Here, ankle sprain. Yeah. It's high ankle sprain. That's a few weeks injury. So we may not see him back for a while. Uh, he did seem to indicate they hope to have him back by Thursday. So it just depends on when he suffered the, the injury. If it was like early in the bye week, like I said, that's two, three-week injury. And usually like high ankle sprains are tough. They're hard to deal with. It's not just this isn't rolling your ankle. Yeah. This is bad. Like, it's, like I said, several-week injury. So this may not be the only game that Vaughn's misses. And then regarding Gentry, as far as I know, he's cleared to come back. Yeah, I just think they they like Calvin Tyler too much. They've said they want to use other backs, but Calvin Tyler is is the bell cow back. And sometimes we'll see Makakona, and then sometimes we'll see Briggs. Yeah. I think that's your pecking order right there. Should Should be Briggs and Tyler splitting carries. Yeah, I think Briggs has earned an opportunity to move ahead of... Makakona, the way he's running and seeing the field and making yards. Yeah. Every time I see Briggs run, it's like, why isn't this guy playing more? 5980. Isn't it the leaders of the team who should help corral the unsportsmanlike amongst the players, too, not just coaches? Yeah, that tends to be more effective because from the coaches, it's well, coaches just telling me this. When it's your peers, the guys you're hanging out with and, you know, you know, hanging out with off the field that you're going up against or with, going with, um, in practice, that's a big deal. That's why player leaders are so huge because they are 10 times more effective than coaches in terms of 
the leadership and leading by example. And holding each other accountable. Yeah. In fact, here's uh, what Hunter Reynolds had to say on that. You know, that's something we've talked about the last couple of days. And to all the fans out there, you know, uh, you have a right to be embarrassed with the way we, uh, with our composure levels uh, last Saturday, you know, and as a leader on this team that falls directly on my shoulders, uh, not, you know, reining that in, not making that a bigger point of emphasis throughout just this entire cycle from winter workouts to spring ball to camp to now. Uh, but I promise you that going forward, that will not be an issue. We're handling that. And moving forward, you know, we look to just be a more composed team. Chandler Dolphin kind of echoed the same sentiments that uh, you know, the, the players have to hold each other accountable more. And, and he said he's, it's, a, it's an area of focus for him individually as well. Uh, a couple more texts coming through. Then we need to take another quick timeout. 5879. What's with UNLV quarterback spiking the ball in the end zone with no penalty? For some reason, I don't remember this play. That was one where they were backed up on the second position, I assume? When they were in the or oh oh no probably when he's celebrating for celebration, um, I think you're allowed to spike the ball in college. Maybe you're not allowed to do it in high school. You can definitely do it in the NFL. I can't I sure. can't remember spiking at the penalty in college or not. Uh, two seven eight seven. Uh, yes, I love that he is terrible. Boise might have a chance this season. Regarding Bachmeyer transferring, announcing his intent to transfer. Just to be clear. <laughs> Uh, a lot more texts coming through. We need to take another timeout. Uh, feel free to keep them coming. 435-339-0321. Continuing to react to Utah State's loss over the weekend to UNLV, 34-24. to And, uh, yeah, still a lot more to get to from the coaches and the players as well. Uh, but first, just a quick reminder about Napa Auto Parts. When you buy Napa Auto Parts, you're getting the best. When you pull into one of the five locally owned Preston or Providence Napa stores, they'll not only make sure that you get the right battery or wiper blades, They'll even help you install it. And if there's more work that needs to be done, they can recommend a dozen different Napa Auto Care Centers with ASE certified technicians. Back to school means back to massive laundry piles. Get a washer that can handle your busy laundry schedule. Head to Daryl's today for a deal worth your time. This is Jay from Daryl's Appliance, and we have a GE front load laundry pair with a 4.8 cubic foot washer and a 7.8 cubic foot dryer for only $17.96 for the pair. Hurry, stock is limited. See store for details. Daryl's Appliance, service and sales west on Airport Road. Open until 6 p.m. on weekdays, 5 on Saturday. S.C. Needham Jewelers is where Utah gets engaged. Couples throughout the state buy their rings from S.C. Needham Jewelers because of our low prices, extensive ring selection, and extraordinary benefits and services with financing available. Go to scneedham.com to learn more. We have many unique and beautiful engagement rings starting at $500. You'll find affordable engagement rings with our integrity price guarantee. This is why we are where Utah gets engaged. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 7. S.C. Needham Jewelers, middle of the block. At the sign of the clock. Elements has delicious lunch specials, two for $30, or the new soup, salad, and bread special for just $10 is tasty and quick. Elements lunch menu is full of scrumptious items prepared with a personal touch. Wood-fired pizzas are an excellent choice that include barbecue chicken and the bee's knees. The fresh-battered halibut fish and chips with seasoned fries is always a hit. And don't forget the fan-favorite Munster Burger. Casual or professional, open Monday through Thursday, 11.30 to 8 p.m., and Friday and Saturday, 11.30 to 9 p.m., visit the the elementsrestaurant.com for reservations today. 
Who do you turn to if you want to change out your wood or pellet stove? Advance Fireplace and Stove. They were voted the gold medalist for Best of Northern Utah for the second year in a row in the fireplace retrofit category. Be ready when the government's next wood and pellet replacement incentives pop up. Advanced Fireplace can help you navigate the paperwork. For more information, call Advanced Fireplace and Stove, 752-7272. Online, advancedfireplaceandstove.com. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. Eric France and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press, 435-339-0321. Continuing to get to more of your texts. My mic's off. What did you do? What? No, it was on. Bull honky. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of text coming through. That's what you missed when Jason's mic was silent. Mysteriously off. <laughs> uh, let's see, 2776. Don't be throwing stones about old quarterbacks. Our current quarterback is uh, is older than Jordan Love. Oh. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I think I made fun of the fact that maybe I made, I don't know if I made fun on the radio, the fact that Bonner is like 25, 24. It's like his seventh year of playing yeah, college football. It's like, dang, son. Uh, five four five two. I don't see Bonner ever getting replaced. Seems like excuse after excuse is made to keep him in there. Short leash. I liked Al's comment on the post game about the leash being like t- tying up a dog in Logan and having the dog running around in Franklin, Idaho. Aggies will never win as long as they refuse to replace a broken-down quarterback. Yeah, and we can argue about whether or not Bonner is really broken down, but the fact that that Anderson was willing to say he's on a very short leash. Was he didn't just say short leash, he said very short leash. And, you know, that quote's flying all over Aggie Twitter and everywhere oh, yeah. else because he said that and did nothing with it. He did not live up to what he said, which has fans upset when you say something and then seemingly go deliberately against it. Well, and happy. I even thought it was odd in the post-game pressure saying that he he asked Anthony Tucker if he should pull him. And Tucker's like, no, you know, some of his throws aren't aren't his fault, whatever. So he kept rolling with him. But aren't you the head coach? Yeah. Are, isn't that your job to decide if somebody should be pulled or not? You'd think. Especially <sighs> since he was the one that made the comment. So it's it's just a very, very bad look. For Anderson to have said that, have your quarterback throw five interceptions and then, you know, not live up to what you said. That's the stuff that'll get fans ticked at you. Well, just, yeah, it's surprising that not even for one package, one specialty package, some other quarterback came in outside of the two point conversion. Yeah. Surprising. Uh, one last one, 7854. Please stop the armchair psychologist. Coaches stick with guys they are loyal to. Wells did the same thing. These are their guys. Yeah. Well, Wells benched Kent Myers. I don't know if he was loyal to my to Kent, but true. Eventually, he did make the change. Yeah. And Myers didn't throw five interceptions in a game. Like I said, Jordan Love threw three picks in a game and started the next timeout. Uh, so, a lot more of your texts to get through. We will get to those. We'll also call out for the. Skyview football bread and butter play of the game from Friday night. If you can correctly identify what it was, call us and correctly identify it, and we'll get you four loaves of bread 
to the Old Grist Mill. More coming up next hour. Stick around. I'm Dan Patrick. The noise. The Raiders were one of this offseason's most discussed teams. The team brought in Josh McDaniels from New England. Derek Carr agreed to an extension. And the team acquired multiple pro bowlers in Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams. Despite the roster overhaul, Vegas has struggled to begin the season. And it's hard to put too much stock into three games. But when you look at the history of 0-3 teams, Raider fans may officially have a reason to worry. Only six teams in modern NFL history have made the postseason after an 0-3 start. Raiders are a talented team. But with Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen all competing for the AFC with talented rosters as well. Vegas is going to need to turn it around quickly. The Raiders roster is no doubt talented, so it's too early to panic. But when you look around the AFC and start to dig into the playoff history of teams starting out 0-3, the Raiders haven't put themselves in a favorable spot to start this year. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.